0: so we're starting a new series because we are starting a new year and as part of the new year which you will hear run into the ground because it's 2020 is 2020 stands for vision which isn't a bad thing but everybody all of your teachers will point that out this week i guarantee it but it also to me comes to perspective and perspective means how you look at things and how you look at people how you look at your life how you look at other people's lives and so this first series i want to talk about looking at stories that we know looking at people that we know looking at things that we know and, and learning how to take the other person's perspective, learning how to to understand, learning how to, going back to what we talked about last year, empathize, how to think, how to to care about other people. And so we're going to start with Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Uh, This is a parable that all of you probably will know. I actually, when I was in college several centuries ago, uh, wrote a short story version of this uh, parable, which I may let you read at some point, but we'll see. Ah, uh, and so to start with, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons, the younger son the younger son, told his father, "I want my share of your estate uh, now before you die." So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now just ignore the rest of the story right now. Ignore what you know focus on this because if you stopped the story right now if you stopped everything right now and this was all Jesus said which would be kind of a weird story to say but if he's just like hey there's this son who went to his dad and said hey you're going to die eventually and I want you to go ahead and give me that money now because you know then it'll be too late and I want it now while I'm young we're all going to hate the son like we're going to look at him and some of us would probably be like man I wish I could have that money or I wish that would happen to me but most of us are going to sympathize with the father most of us are going to think wow that's kind of selfish like how would he ask that imagine i i ch- Challenge you to go home to your parents tonight and say, "Hey, the inheritance that I'm going to get someday, could you just give that to me now and let me like record the next 20 minutes of conversation? Because it's not going to go well, and we can have Caleb show us right now that it's not going to go well. Uh, it's very rude. It's very, it's kind of talking about your parents' death in a in a very like." uppity way like it's not caring about people and it's awful and so we look at that and it's like well this guy's a jerk and so the people listening to that are like oh he's going to talk about this kid and and how he's just worthless and how the father is just embattled and so awesome but it's such a crazy start to the story and what you'll see in life what you'll find in everything that you face is your life everyone else's life can be divided up into sections kind of like this like paragraphs and after each paragraph there's sometimes a different story. There's sometimes a different path. There's sometimes a different way to be, a way you were. Uh, the way that you were when you were five years old is probably different from the way you were when you were nine years old. The way you were when you were nine years old is probably different from the way you were now, hopefully. But it, it's very different. I heard some of you guys talking about the VBS kids earlier and how some of them were good and some of them weren't good, and, and some of you lost them and we still haven't found them, and all of these different things. That <laughs> All of these different things that have happened. And so you know that. And and so those kids someday will be in a room like this talking about kids at their VBS. They're like, these kids were brats. We're so good. And that's kind of how we do it. Your parents absolutely will tell you stories. Man, in my day, everything was so much harder and we had it so much worse, but we're so much better and we're awesome. and, And we had to walk up hill both ways to to school in the snow, barefoot, and and in the 90 degree weather and like all this crazy stuff. And you're like, where did you live? Like a nuclear fallout place? Like it's it's crazy, but it's like we all do that. And so some of you guys look at people younger than you and older than you now, and you're like, man, I wouldn't be like that. Like I wouldn't do that. But if you stop after each paragraph and you look, and this is hard to do when you're living your life. Looking back at my life now, it's a little easier to see, oh, I get why this happened, or I get why that happened. Uh, You know most of my story. And so this isn't going to be anything new, but like I was going to be a doctor my entire life until I was a senior in high school. Like I, I had the grades, I studied chemistry, all of this stuff, like I, I had the internships, like I had everything that I needed to go into medicine. And then I had an English teacher who uh, gave us an assignment. He's like, hey, write three words uh, and, and do something with these three words. I went back with the three words, write a paper, write a story, write a song, write a poem. Uh, that is where Genesis came from, my book, those three words. Like I, I wrote a book, basically, from those three words, and I was like, I really like writing. And so I'm like, I don't know what I can do with writing. There's not much you can do unless you're famous. And, and so I went, and I'm like, I'm going to be a, a, an English teacher, like a high school teacher, first semester. I was like, I hate this, I'm too scared to talk to people. Uh, this is awful, there's a lot of work to this. Man, it's tough. I, I can't imagine dealing with teenagers all the time. Like, can you imagine that? And, and so like I'm like, I'm not gonna do that. And so I switched after first semester to uh, just English, pre-professional English. Uh, took political science minor and all these things, so I'm like, I could go to law school, I could do all these different things. Uh, then I go to get my, I go to an internship in the government, and, and, and like I work there for a while, and it's like, oh, I could go into politics, I actually considered it. For a long time, I had an idea that in 2020 I would run for president, I am not going to now. Um, and it's For several reasons. Uh, and, and so, but but all of these, huh? I, what? No, you don't have to be, f- anyway, 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 I, uh, I was going, that was my plan for a long time. Uh, And then I was like, no, I was a reporter for a while. I I went to get my master's in creative writing for a while. Well, for the whole time, Uh, I got my master's in youth ministry. And I'm a pastor today. You know that like, I'm a youth pastor. I'm here. I love this. But after each point of my life, you could be like, oh, well, this is what he's going to do. This is what he's going to be like. And all of those things changed. And so, this story kind of illustrates that. Your life, who you are right now, may not be what, who you are later. Now your morals hopefully will stay the same. Your values, your heart will stay the same. But, but how you look at things, how you think about things. And in the same way, the most important thing is to look at other people because you're going to know people who are annoying jerks right now in your classes and people that you're around. And, and Maybe they are annoying jerks, but you don't know what their life is like. And maybe when they get out of their home, or maybe when they get a, a little maturity, they're they're way different. So you can't make decisions about people and then let it go forever. You have to think of the whole story. So the next verse. Uh, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man... Uh, sent him into the fields to feed the pigs the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him but no one gave him anything so we look at this and we start to feel a little sorry for the kid because he has a lot of friends when he has a lot of money and he's going partying um it later it mentions prostitutes like he was basically living in vegas like the the biblical version of vegas he was basically doing all this stuff gambling partying drinking uh sleeping around, like all of this stuff. And so everybody was around him because he's young and he's having fun and he's paying for everything. You see this a lot if you watch sports, like people who uh, have a lot of friends and, and, and relatives around them. And then they they become like, NBA first-round pick or NFL first-round pick, something like that, a- and they suddenly are like paying for everybody, and so everybody's all around them, and then you'll hear stories like Antoine Walker, who used to play for the Celtics and was at Kentucky, is like he made $128 million in his career, that is a lot of money, and he's completely broke now. Like, it's insane, because all of us look at that and are like, well, there's no way that it happened, but it happens when you're stupid with your money, and so we see this kid be stupid, and he's just throwing it away, and then as soon as his money runs out, and he starts to, to feel bad, and he starts to get sick, and he maybe starts to get homesick, all of his friends are like well see ya because the party's over and that's how people are so we look at that and we're like well he kind of deserved it but man I feel kind of bad for him a little bit. And we start to change the story a little bit. But if you know like the Jewish culture at the time, one of the things that they're most against is is eating pigs. And so feeding pigs and being with the pigs, that's a big deal for him. That's something that he's really lowering himself. It's something that he can never uh, imagine doing. Think of the worst possible thing that you would ever do and then do something worse than that. Like that's where this kid is. And so we look at this and there are some people who still remember the first paragraph. They're like, yeah, that's what he gets. Like, he he should have known better. And people think like that. We all think like that at one point or another. But now we see, well, wait, look at the rest of his story. Sure, he was stupid, and and yeah, he does deserve to have some consequences. But he's still a person, and that's the most important thing. There are going to be people who get a lot of stuff early and and waste it. and, And you're like, man... I hope something bad happens to them. If you ever think that, you're wrong. Because that's awful, because all of us are jerks at one point or another. All of us do something stupid at one point or another. Everyone in this room has more than a lot of other people in this world. And that's not to make you feel bad, because it's, it's wh- where we are and it's who we are. But. It doesn't define who you are. Julie talked today about identity, and it's something that I've talked about before. Your identity is not based on on what you do, on how much you have, on, on where you are, or even what you've done. It's based on who you are in Christ. And so we see this redemption story beginning. And again, if you stop the story here, you're like, man, The rest of his life must suck. Like, he has to live his life with the pigs. He has to live his life just just feeding slop and wanting to eat their food. And I don't even know what pods are, but they're probably pretty gross if pigs are eating them. And people say, well, pigs are so clean. They're not. They live in mud. And and so it is what it is. And, And so he's doing all of this, and he's living there. And it's like, well, that's his life. And so we're going to the next part. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So if we stop the story here, we see him learning maturity and him learning, wow, I really messed up. Like, I, I really screwed this up. I, I really have become somebody that I don't even like. I'm going to go home and beg my dad to hire me. And, and so as we, we look at his stories, we look at his life, we're like, yeah, you know, he deserved it, but he's learning, and he learned from, from his mistakes, and he learned from his bad choices, so I hope his dad does hire him. And we look at it like that, and it's like, wow. You know, that'd be kinda weird to have to work for your parents and not be treated like uh, their kid, but, but I kinda get it. Like, at least he's seeing things that way. A- a- at least he's looking ahead. At least he's admitting what he had done wrong. A- at least he is saying, I, I need help. M- many people, hopefully not everybody, not everybody, but um, a lot of people, um, need to hit rock bottom before they change their lives. And you probably have known people like this. I have talked about my sister before and she knows I tell this story and it's okay because she's changed. Uh, My sister, throughout most of her young life, uh, did everything that she could to get away from the church She was a Wiccan and she did all the Ouija stuff and all that stuff like that uh, She was involved in drugs and alcohol and all of those different things when she got married to her first husband Like he was very similar and also controlling and it was like a messed up situation uh, and, and they were both involved in drugs and and she got to the point where she overdosed like her She felt that her life was just over and she felt that everything was breaking She had like a two-year-old I think and so it was all crazy And, and so she overdosed and she almost died and most people would have stopped the story there and been like, yep, that's what happens. Like, that's what happens. And it is what happens for the most part, but from there her life changed and her story didn't stop there and so she got saved she's like wow this is the worst it can get i have to get my daughter back i have to change my life i have to get better and so she she changed she started going to church she started going to counseling she started accepting help from people she started admitting that she was wrong she admitted that she needed help and so she changed and she she finished her degrees and she went to to church and she met her now husband uh, and they now have a baby who you may have heard of before which is named Beatrice and Beatrice is this wonderful little baby who brings everything together and she's being raised in this she's being raised in this loving home with two Christian parents who actually love each other and care about her and who don't do drugs and, and who understand what bad stuff can happen and all of that happened because she didn't end her story where the overdose was. She didn't end her story where she had given up. And so this kid is at that point now. He has hit rock bottom. He's hit the worst possible. And there are a lot of people in this world who are cheering for that. There are a lot of people in this world who will put politics over everything. There are a lot of people in this world who are like, well, this is what I stand politically, so I don't care if the compassionate thing is to do this or the compassionate thing is to say this. I don't care what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. I only care where I stand politically. And so I'm not going to help you or or I'm not going to try or I'm not whatever. And I'm not making a comment here politically, I am saying simply, if you stop having compassion for people, you can no longer expect people to have compassion for you. Jesus very simply said, if you don't forgive other people, then I won't forgive you. That's a major, harsh statement. And not having compassion for people, saying they deserve this, is not forgiving them. Now, this again doesn't mean, hey, let everybody do what they want, and if somebody steals from you and they take all your money and then they come back and like, hey, I need some more money, I'm not saying give them your wallet. I'm saying there are other ways to help people find help. There are other ways to care about people. There are other ways to be there for people that we all have to find. And a lot of people could have slammed the door on my sister and said, well, she's never going to change. Like, she doesn't deserve it. There are probably churches that would have done that, would have said, well, she, she should have gotten the right idea. She should have not done drugs. Like, she can never come here. She's had a divorce. She can never come here. Like, there are people who believe like that. And yet, Jesus doesn't. He's like, are you sorry? Do you want to come back to me? And so he lets him. And so that's where we have this son, where if you stop the story at these different points, you have the kid being a jerk. And yeah, he's a jerk. Like ask your parents something like that. It's very rude. Imagine somebody asking you something like that. Like it's very rude. Uh to to waste all of his money and, and then to just fall into poverty because of what he did, uh, losing all his friends because of what he did. Yeah, it sucks and he deserved it. To realize though, wow. My life is hit rock bottom. I need to change. That is worthy of compassion. It does not mean that he's perfect. It doesn't mean that he shouldn't have consequences. But he's looking ahead. And so now we look ahead. Uh, So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Now, we look at this, and the first thing I want to point out is it's really, we've all been in part of this situation, not the whole going home because you messed up your life, but like he's practiced this speech over and over again. He's like, okay, I'm going to get to my dad and I am going to say, father, please forgive me. Let me be one of your servants. Like he's working on it. He's like, I, I've got to, I've got to work through my tears. I've got to work through him yelling at me. Uh, I've got to do this. And he's worked on it. He's practiced it oh, the whole travel home. He's probably con- like con- continually said it and, and, and worked on it and said it in different ways. I've been like, okay, this is exactly how I'm going to say it. And so picture this moment where he's like, he sees his dad and he feels this dread. He's like, oh man, he's going to yell at me. If you've ever been in trouble with your parents, you've ever done something, you know you shouldn't, and you see that look in your mom or your dad's eye, and you know what is coming, and you feel your heart drop, you feel your stomach drop, and you're like, ah, this is going to be bad. And so he's feeling that, and so like his dad's running at him, and he's probably like, oh man, he's going to tackle me, he's going to hit me, like this is going to be like robbing puppies, like this is going to be bad, he's going to come after me. And and so he's probably, probably thinking all that, and so his dad comes running up, and he hugs him, and he's like, dad, I, I, uh, I, I, will you, can I be your servant? Like he's works through, he says all this stuff that he actually had planned to say, while his dad's like hugging him and loving him and saying, I'm so glad you're back. And it's such a funny situation, but we look at this and we obviously feel great admiration for the father because that takes, that's more than forgiveness. That's above compassion. That's going the extra mile to do that. If this story had gone a different way and his dad had said, hey, I forgive you. You absolutely can be a servant. I, I will make a room up for you. That's a good move. Like that's a good life for him. It's a nice story. But the the dad goes above and beyond because the dad represents God. And that's how God is to us. No matter what you've done, no matter who you've been, no matter what your life has been like, when you run back to God, if you're like, hey, can I do this, can I do that to make it up? He's like, it's good. You've admitted that you were wrong. It's good. And so that's where we see this. And it's such a wonderful end to the story, except it's not an end to the story. If you stop it here, it's a happy ending. If you stop it here, father and son reuniting. But then we go on. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you, and, you never, and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do, and in all that time you never gave me even one young goat or a feast for my friends, which all of us have complained about at one point or another. Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. So here we see it in two ways. Now some of us probably see this as like, man, that's kind of a jerky response. Some of us are like, yeah, yeah, preach it, brother, because, because that's exactly what I would say, because this kid, my bro- imagine if this is your sibling, somebody that you're really close to, somebody that, that, that you're around all the time, and they go off and they waste their life like that. They go off and they do everything that your parents always told them not to, and while they're gone, your parents are like, hey, I need you to clean the room, hey, I need you to do this, hey, I need you to do that, and they never once give you a goat even. Like, that's crazy. And so imagine all of that, and so that's all happening, and, and and then we get to this point where they're like, oh yeah, they're having a big party for him because he's back, and the brothers are like, what? Like I I I. I'm out here working hard. I'm not getting a party like I'm out here. I've been here the whole time. I did the right thing. I did everything right. How come I'm not getting mine? Everyone in this room, everyone in this church, everyone in this world has thought this in one way or another at one point. We have all thought, but I did everything right. Why am I not getting rewarded? We all think that. It doesn't make you a bad person to think that. It makes you human to think that. However, that's not how our life can be. Our reward is not to be here. And so we see the brother here and we stop the story here. It's like, wow, he's never going to like him. Like, wow, this kid that came back really ruined everything for this brother. And like I said, some of you are like, man, that brother's a jerk. Like, how could he possibly think like that? He should be happy. And some of you are thinking, yeah, I'd be mad too. And it's either way is valid. Either way is valid. But the story does not stop here either however to look at both points of view it's very valid for what the brother is thinking because again he did nothing wrong he didn't go out and drink he didn't go out and be with prostitutes he didn't go out and waste money he didn't ask his dad a rude question he didn't do any of that stuff he stayed home and he was the good son and so what did he get not all the parties not all this but He had his life the way that it was. And he had uh, the admiration of his father, the love of his father. He had respect. He had a good life. He couldn't see that because when things are bad for us, that's really all we can focus on. However, it's almost the same as when things are really good for someone else. That's all we can focus on. It's like, well, that's not fair. Like, I know what they do on the weekends. How come they're getting an award? Or I know what they do. How come, man, if their parents really knew this, or if their teachers really knew that, if their boss really knew that, Yeah, who cares? Like, that's on them. It's not on us. We don't want to be like either brother in this story. But this older brother looking at that and letting that change his life, letting that harden his heart is not how to live. And so we go on to the end of the scripture. Uh, His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and now he is found. I realize this is like the greatest father ever and most dads are going to be a little bit mad, but this is, again, representing God. Um, You have probably heard the parable that there were 99, there were 100 sheep in a flock and the shepherd walked them back. He realized there were only 99 and then he goes off, leaves them on the pen safely to go off and find the one and carry it back. And so a lot of people, when we hear that, myself included, when we first hear that, it's like, well, that's what if something happens to the 99? Like, what? why would he do that? Like, why would he waste all this time and effort just to get one person? And we all think like that one time or another until we're that one. Now, you see, when you're that one, when you're the younger brother, when you are lost, when you have failed, when you have done something wrong, when you have hurt someone, when you have messed up, then you realize, oh, I get it. I get it. Now, I hope that no one here has to deal with that point of view. I hope that you're all able to live your life as the older brother, not with the lack of compassion, but, but the staying, doing the right thing, living the right life. I hope so, and that's what you should shoot for. But if you're ever on the point like the younger brother where you screw up, then you want a father who comes to you and is like, I love you still. And that is who God is. And that's what I'm talking about. It is so easy easy for us to be like the older brother in life and to see our friends, see our family, see people we don't know, see people on TV and say, they deserve to fail. We all think like that. We all root for people to fail at some point. I'm not talking in sports where it's like, yay, Breeze got beat. That's awesome. I'm talking about if you're like, I hope that Breeze's family leaves him. That's awful. Like, you don't want to think like that. A, a, but it's, it's, it's when you're looking at people that you know, when you're looking at people and you're like, man, if I lived like that, this is what I would do. If I lived like that, this is what people would do to me. That's what the older brother had did instead of looking at his own life and saying, okay, how can I live? Because what the younger brother does does not in any way affect the older brother. Now, you could be like, well, he took the inheritance and gave it to him. Yeah, he just took his half. He didn't take the older brother. nothing affects the older brother. When you start to realize, okay, how this person over here lives their life That doesn't actually impact how I live mine. Like I can still be a Christian. I can still live strong. I can I can still do the right thing. I can still be a good person. Now that doesn't mean that you you allow people to walk all over you. It doesn't mean that you allow people to hate you. It doesn't mean any of that. What I'm saying is, don't let yourself get into the habit of, I want to get the rewards that they're getting and I want them to fail. I want them to have consequences. I want them to be hurt. It's none of your business. God loves us so much that no matter what we do, either way, he still loves us. And that's so awesome. And I love this parable so much because it shows so many different aspects. And there's so many different times you can stop it and look at it. It can be like seven different stories. And you look at it and you see it from each character's perspective. You see it from each person's perspective. There's a phrase, I believe, that is, you should walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Um, For the most part, that's kind of impossible, especially if you've got like size 12 and they have like size 6. It's awful. But if you do try to look at someone else and think, I wonder what their story is, not not like making up bad things, not making up good things, just thinking, okay, they treated me like crap. Why? Now, again, this doesn't mean it's okay, but think, like, I wonder what, what happens. Like, I need to try to understand. What I've tried to do a long time ago, what I learned to try to do a very long time ago is to always think why people think the way they do. If people think differently than me, if people believe differently than me, if people act differently than me, why? And once you start to do that, you start to realize that they are people. And once you realize they are people, then you can't hate them. It's easy to hate people when they're numbers. It's easy to hate people when they're them, when it's a group. But when it's somebody, when you realize that they're people, you're like, okay, they're people and start to think like that every day. This is a new year, and so you have this chance to change the way you look at things. In this series, we are going to talk about different things like this, about different stories, and ways to look at different perspectives, at ways people have looked at things, at ways people have been looked at. There are going to be times in your life where you do everything right, and people look at you like you do everything wrong, and that sucks, and I wish I could tell you that it doesn't happen, but God looks at you with nothing but love. And so you have to keep focusing on that and keep doing that. Do what you can to be like the father. Do what you can to be like the older brother in the, in the fact of doing your best, but in being like the father in the way you look and forgive and love other people. That is who we are. And this is a wonderful time to start that. I am not big on resolutions because people just make a list of things. And like, oh, these are all the things. I, I want to lose 362 pounds by next week. Well, you'd be dead. And or like, I want to have seven new Camaros by Tuesday. Yeah, you're not gonna. Like we make up these wild resolutions and and so all of these different things. But all we should do, the top of your list, all of your list should be, I want to do better. I want to be better. I want to do better. I want to treat people better. I want to be more like him. I want to stand up and and be who I've always wanted to be. I want to stand up and show people love and, and to show God's love. And so that's what we can do and that's what, this series is about that's what this this life is about. That's all I got.